Ladies and gentlemen of Lafayette. The Hammered Down Show with Jared Jesolitis is Lafayette's number one sports show. Yes, I'm excited! He totally went to Jared. The voice of Lafayette Sports. The cream of the crop! Nobody does it better. Send us your thoughts on the text line at 765-447-4080. Now go to that voodoo that you do so well. going on here portal stuff's going on you're hearing reports about high school commits perhaps waning a little bit we've got tom deanhart goldenblack.com the man to come on here in just a little bit he's going to help us figure this all out all right all your questions we got him and uh he'll be asking them or i'll be asking him and uh, hopefully he'll have some answers for us here so uh tom's coming up 315 he's always good Let's go ahead and get things started here. Uh, busy Tuesday night. It's Need to Know News time. Here's your Need to Know News. All right, shout out to uh, Purdue Women's Basketball. They are in action tonight, taking on Southeast Missouri State. SEMO is in town where they kick off Big Ten play. Uh, 7 o'clock, Mackey Arena on Big Ten Plus this evening. Over on the men's side last night, all three dogs in the Big Ten were eaten last night. Illinois picks up a big win over 11th-ranked Florida Atlantic. They were two-point dogs, and they go on to win uh, by 9, 98-89 in Madison Square Garden. Who told you to take that one? Wisconsin, they held Michigan State to 23 points in the first half. They won 70-57 to in East Lansing. And then Indiana wins their fourth straight against Michigan, 78-75, the final in Chrysler. Tonight, Rutgers heads to Wake Forest and is a a three-and-a-half-point road dog. Penn State heads to Maryland. Terps minus seven-and-a-half might not have Jameer Young. And Ohio State hosts Miami of Ohio. Buckeyes, 23-and-a-half-point favorites tonight. Nebraska will head to Minnesota. One-and-a-half-point favorites there. Blackhawks can't hold on to an early lead. They lose their fourth straight. Four to three, the final against the Preds. Game went to a shootout. Connor Bedard, his first shootout attempt in his NHL career was nasty. The only problem was Nashville buried all three of their shots and nobody else from the Hawks put one in. So they lose. Hawks host the Ducks tomorrow. MLB draft lottery was yesterday. Not exactly good news for the Southsiders. The White Sox had the fourth best odds of getting the number one overall pick in this year's draft. Instead, they're going to pick fifth. Even worse, divisional rival Cleveland leaped to the top spot after having the ninth best odds. Guardians were able to leap at eight other teams in part thanks to the Nationals, whose number was originally drawn as the winner. But... Anti-tanking rules say they can't have that spot due to last year's draft position, so they had to redraw. And wouldn't you know it, Cleveland gets that top pick. Not great. Five not a great spot either. You drop one spot from where you mathematically should have been. 
And now you can't pick higher than 10th next season because of those tanking rules. Teams in the top six are not eligible the following year. A's, Rockies, and Royals. Well, they all had the best odds at number one. Rockies end up with number three. The A's end up with number four, while the Royals ended up with number six. So if you think the Southsiders have got screwed over here, you'd be wrong. Uh, also, everybody in the NL Central got it taken to them because the Reds come all the way up to number two from 13th. Cubs will pick up 14th, which is two spots up from where their entry odds were. Girls High School Hoops last night. Harrison 58-41 over Logan Sport. McCutcheon gets CC 48-42 that final. And Twin Lakes 57-54 over Westside. Over the NBA, the Bucks beat the Knicks last night. So the, uh, the Pacers, they're going to get the Milwaukee Bucks in the semifinal of the play-in tournament. That game is going to be played much like the final over in Las Vegas. Paces are listed as a four-and-a-half-point dog in Vegas. They won the previous meeting um, against the Bucks, 126-124. to 124. That game was played uh, in Indy. Bucks have won 12 of the last 15 meetings between these two, but, but... Pacers have won two of the last three. Bulls will be in action tonight. They take on the 6-12 Hornets at home at the United Center. It's a uh, a 4.5-point spread in favor of the Bulls. I don't think they they played. They haven't played yet this year. Bulls have won their last two, by the way. Hornets have lost uh, three of their last four. So uh, you're hoping that uh, Chicago... Catching them at a good time. And there you go. That would be today's Need to Know News. Yesterday, we fired off some bets. We got winners, baby. We had winners. We told you, uh, what were we on yesterday here? Hold on. I got it. Um, We told you we liked Illinois. They won outright. We told you... um, the Indiana, I told you my gut liked Indiana. But that if you were going to take Indiana to take the money line, because Michigan, over so many games here, when they're like favorites at home, they either they either don't cover and win, or they lose outright. Like they just don't cover that big a number. And then I told you I was a little bit skittish about that over-under number in East Lansing, but everybody was telling you to take the under. But the history said take the over, but I'm not going to take any credit on that one. So what do we like tonight? Let's get back after it here. couple games, and you should have some familiarity with some of this as a Purdue fan. One, uh, we are taking Marquette tonight. they got to cover 7.5. They're at home hosting Texas. Longhorns have zero quality wins this year. They've got some good guards, but eh, not not facing Marquette tonight. Golden Eagles are at home. They should be able to give Texas some fits tonight. No Dylan Disu in the lineup for the Texan for Texas. 
I just, uh, Marquette is just too darn good for them. And it's plain and simple. There's not a lot of stats here. Marquette can create turnovers. They don't foul. They're going to pressure those guards. You've watched Marquette play. They look like the real deal, don't they? They feel like the real deal to you. Now you're going to get them at home against Texas. Granted, they are 12th. It is a lot of, it's a lot of, seven and a half is a lot to cover. They're playing this one at uh, Fiserv, so this should be a big one here. I, I like Marquette. I think probably the safer thing here, and I do think they run away with this one. If you are thinking, uh, it's a lot of points shared, I'm not too sure about that. Well, I would go ahead and take Wake Forest on the money line there. I would just I would parlay it here. If you don't like those points, go ahead and take Wake Forest at home, the plus 166. I think you could take the under for Maryland, especially if Jameer Young's not going to play. I know we're monitoring that, but I don't want to get into it too much. So go with that, go with that. I don't want to mess with Ohio State minus 23. But I think you can also... I mean, what's the other play here? Take that Marquette money line. Go ahead, take the Wake Forest money line. Nebraska-Minnesota... I mean, I'd like to jump in on Nebraska. But you get to plus 294, taking that under 140 against uh, Maryland and Penn State. And Penn State's a terrible shooting team. And Rutgers can't win on the road. You know they're bad on the road. Wake Forest just had a big SEC win. You'd think there's a little bit of a letdown there, but I, I still like I still very much like Wake Forest. I, Rutgers can play some defense. There's no offense. Penn State's lost four of their last five. Yeah, I Maryland's probably the move there, but I just don't I, I don't trust Maryland. I feel like the under's just a little bit of a better play for you. Penn State's, what, putting up 75 points a game? Nah, They don't rebound well. I mean, where are they even at in field goal percentage? I don't even think they're that great of a field goal shooting team either, are they? I mean, this is their first chance at uh, Big Ten action. I mean, look, they lost by 9 to Bucknell at home. They lost by 12 to VCU at home. Was Butler? Butler was on a neutral court, right? They lost 10 there. 12 to Texas A&M. Nah. So I think maybe that's the move there. If you if you are thinking Marquette points are too much, go ahead, just take the money lines along with Wake Forest and the under Penn State, Maryland. Or 
Take the market, take Marquette, lay the points, take Wake Forest, lay the points. Either way, those are my picks for you tonight. Make sure you're playing responsibly. All right, we got a break here. We're going to come back. We'll try to connect with Tom Deanhart. We're going to talk a little bit about what's going on with Purdue football right now. We are in search of a tight end coach. We've got our top two high school prospects taking official slash decommitting. There's a lot going on here. Let's sort it all out. Let's see what you should panic about and what you need some perspective on. Tom Deanhart scheduled to be on next here on uh, the Hammer Down Show. 1017 The Hammer and 1017. Welcome back. This is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. Over to the Blue Fox Eating and Cooling Hammerhead Hotline we go. Uh, my very good friend Tom Deanhart from goldenblack.com is on with us here. Uh, there's been a lot of stuff happening with the portal, with the signing class. A lot of people with a lot of questions here. Uh, and uh, we're going to go to Tom here and see if we can't get some of the stuff sorted out here. Tom, great to uh, great to talk to you as always here. This is a, uh, a turbulent time right now for Purdue. Uh, portal, signing class, and uh, let's get started with this. First off, we're looking for a new tight end coach, it sounds like. Seth Doji out. He's going to head to Marshall and become the OC, which is great for him. But, you know, that's a blow for Purdue in the terms of you want to have some continuity with that coaching staff. We saw the turnover at times, especially the defensive staff uh, under Jeff Brom. So we know what kind of effects that can have. But this is good for him. Um, you know, no ill will or anything. But how does Purdue move on and how, how are they going to fill that vacancy? Have you heard anything about this yet? Yeah, Seth was a good recruiter, too. So he's a young coach. Uh... I think he turns 34, 35 this month. So, yeah, an up-and-comer, one of those old Texas Tech quarterbacks. I don't think this job is going to be filled until after signing day. I think Purdue wants to get to signing day, which is December 20th, uh, so it's not too far away. After that, I think you'll see that post get filled. How it gets filled, Jared, I'm not sure. I know they're going to look at some guys internally, um, a couple of, uh, Couple analysts, guy like Justin Sims, a long time analyst, former pretty tight end, and Stanton Keen, sort of Graham Harrell's right hand man. They may be a couple guys to get looks, so stay tuned on that job. Yeah, that's just one more thing on Ryan Walter's plate, and what's what, that's what you said, Jared. It's a very busy month of December, my gosh. Uh, I mentioned signing day, so they're out, they're still out visiting their commitments, and of course the portal, right? Uh, that opened up on Monday for thirty days. And my gosh, it's like speed dating, Jared. I just posted on our site Purdue transfer portal targets, at least known guys that I know, Jared, have Purdue offers. Um, and this is sort of a very murky, a murky process, if you will. Yeah. But again, it's sort of give people an idea of at least a list of some of the guys who I know have offers. There's a few guys that have even visited, and a couple more are going to be coming in this weekend, too. So just stay tuned. You know, um, I was just reading that uh, before we went on the air today, and uh, the, the name at the very top of the list um, is, uh, boy, that would be something, but Donovan McCauley, the, the wide yeah. receiver out of Indiana, um, oh. I, I, I don't know. Is he, is he really that put off with the program? I mean, they're, they're under new management down there. Uh, that seems to be like a pretty decent uh, coaching staff that they have hired so far. Um, but, it, it, I mean, what has produced chances with Donovan McCauley, you figure? Going to be tough, Jared. He's a, he's a wanted man, as they say, a, a high-end talent, a six foot five receiver who showed his, showed his potential at Bloomington in his brief time down there. Purdue visited him last weekend. I know Ron Walters was in 
uh, last Friday to see him in Indianapolis to visit with his dad as well. But, you know, since then, Jared, I see he's got an offer from Penn State. He got an offer from Michigan. So long story short, this guy's going to have some pretty high-end offers. Uh, a guy I pretty would love to have, but just by looking at some of the company they're keeping, it would be hard to beat schools like Michigan and Penn State to try to get Donovan McCauley or West Lafayette, but you never know. Especially in the NIL world, too, that doesn't, uh, you know, those are uh, some schools with uh, some big uh, some, some big purses, so to speak, that they can uh, dish that stuff up. We're talking with Tom Deanhart here on the Hammerhead Hotline. Um, you know, wide receiver is one of those positions uh, when you took a look at what was leaving the portal, you know, heading into the portal from Purdue, that had become an area of concern just because of the number of guys that had jumped ship. Um, I, I would think, too, offensive. Uh, you're always looking for offense. You tell me this. You're always looking for offensive line yeah. guys, too, uh, especially when you need some depth there. So those seem to be the two big priorities. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but is there anything else that concerns you with what Purdue has lost and then what they're expecting to bring in here? Any other positions where you feel like there's some deficiency there that they really need to attack hard? Yeah, you're right about receiver and offensive line without a doubt. Those are the two highest priority spots, Jared, especially wide receiver now. My gosh, I think they've got about six receivers in the portal. Their top three pass-catching wide receivers are all in the portal, you know, led by Deion Burks, of course. Uh, T.J. Sheffield's in the portal. Abdur Rahman Yassin's in the portal. Um, you know, a lesser guy like Mershon Rice is in the portal. So they need wide receivers, Jared. <laughs> you know, you look at what's coming back. They have the junior college transfer. Jaden Dixon deal will be back. And, of course, the kid who transferred from Florida Atlantic, Jamal Drain, who got hurt in camp, he will be back. But they need probably at least three or four receivers, I think. Portal guys or junior college transfers. Uh, so, again, that's a position to watch. And like you said, offensive line, too. You always need linemen on both sides of the ball. Those guys are real hard commodities to come by, Jared. Uh, they they get overvalued in the portal. I'll just t- I'll tell you that they love veteran linemen. Everybody loves them. Look at some of the offers. Guys like Suleiman Paka got uh, a recent Boilermaker D lineman in the portal. So yeah, they need uh, they need some offensive linemen for sure. And if you look at that list I posted today, Jared, there's probably already five or six offensive linemen on there who have offers I know of. A couple of New Mexico guys. One was in last weekend and. Jared, this weekend there's supposed to be a big tackle from Ball State, Corey Stewart. Um, keep your eye on that kid. I think he likes Purdue. He's a very good talent, Jared. A guy who could come in, I think, start right away at left tackle for Purdue. I want to go back a little bit, Tom, to the number of wide receivers that uh, have decided to hit the portal. You know, no, no ill will. Everybody's going to do what they think is best. But uh, that did seem rather odd, the volume of guys that jumped out there, because you think if you're looking for playing time and stuff, you know, four or five guys from your position are out. Well, you got a pretty good chance of finding some playing time, especially through the spring. Um, it, it, this isn't a sign of there's a problem or anything, right? This is just, hey, it just kind of happened this way. How do you explain all these wide receivers for Purdue seemingly wanting to jump in the portal all of a sudden? None. I can't say it for sure. I don't think there's anything nefarious going on. Um, sometimes guys just want to test the waters. And... Um, Purdue certainly would like to have kept Deion Burks. And um, even, even T.J. Sheffield, I think. Abdur Rahman, you've seen, he was a talented guy, Jared, but he could never stay healthy. That was his issue with Jeff Brom, too. He could just never stay healthy. Same from Rashawn Rice. So really, you know, Sheffield, uh, Sheffield and, uh, and Burks were, were losses, especially Burks. Although, you know, 
for me, Burks was always just still a little bit more potential in actual production. I know he led the team in catches this year, but it seems like he didn't make as many big plays as I thought he was going to make. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure he's going to attract a lot, a lot of attention. So you're right. Um, long story short, Purdue needs receivers. And they got a lot of a lot of playing time they can sell too to be in this air raid offense. Has to be attractive, especially to Jared when you know if you're a wide receiver who has a veteran quarterback and Hudson Carr is the trigger man. So you got a pretty good quarterback working in a very pass friendly offense. Again, if you're a receiver, you'd have to like the, the, the chances to play in that offense and, and have some good numbers too. Talking with Tom Deanhart here on the Hammerhead Hotline. I want to transition over. We got signing days coming up, uh, what, just two weeks away from that. Um, and there seems to be a little bit of worry brewing uh, with your top two recruits. Uh, here we go. Another wide receiver, Keontae Henry, says uh, he's decommitted but keeping Purdue on his list. And then, of course, he's your number two guy, right, uh, on the yeah. uh, on list. And then your number one guy is all of a sudden still committed, but he's going to go hang out at Syracuse this weekend for an <laughs> official visit. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I feel like uh, this is this is Seinfeld at the uh, at the uh, car rental thing. You know how to take the reservation. You just don't know how to keep the reservation. I, I don't understand. You make the commitment. You're like, ah, eh, but I'm going to go ahead and take this official. How worried should we be about these two guys? Yeah. Well, Keandre Henry, the wide receiver from from Texas, Purdue's number two commitment according to On3.com. Yeah, he decommitted yesterday. He he's not coming back, Jared even though he sort of tried to leave the window cracked in his farewell tweet. He's not coming back to Purdue. I feel pretty confident of that. Corey Beasley, the number one prospect in Purdue's 2024 class of safety from Cincinnati, who's visiting Syracuse this weekend. They have a new head coach, Fran Brown, who's at Georgia. I know Fran Brown recruited Beasley when he was still in Athens, so there's a relationship there. I don't know. You know, it's never good when a guy wants to go kick the tires to take a visit, right? Huh? I still think Purdue feels like it's pretty confident that they have Corey Beasley's commitment, but you never know. The guy's out shopping, right? So uh, um, we're just going to have to sit tight until December 20th and see who signs letters of intent. Jared, this is an age-old process where we see this type of stuff going all the time, and you got to sweat this thing out sometimes to the very end with some of your better recruits. And I got the holidays going on here. Thank God the basketball team is doing as well as it's doing because that takes a little bit of the stress out of this. But it's just <laughs> this is turning into a. Cra- I can only imagine what the coaching staff goes through. You think this is hard for us? Think about this. Uh, but at least I think happier times are on the way. You do, Portal opens Monday, right? So I think as a fan, you can at least switch from okay. I'm all these guys have left. I was depressed, but now I get the the possibility of what if, right? Of guys coming in. From the portal, I, hopefully that switches gears for the fan base a little bit, Tom. I just feel like we got to get to Monday, start seeing some names sign on the dotted line, and that'll turn things around a little bit. Yeah, you're right. Um, now remember, be mindful of this. There's no, there's no letters of intent with portal guys, Jared. You, you, you do not have portal guys until they actually enroll in school. So um, you have to, you have to sweat that one out too. Um, these guys can commit and still do their own thing. Like I said, there's no NIL or, you know, national letter of intent for these guys. So, yeah, like I said, maybe we'll get some news on portal commitments this weekend, um, hopefully soon. You like to get the bulk of your of your transfers in this first 30-day window, Jared, so you can have them on campus, get them enrolled, and then get them through spring football and get them acclimated, right? Yep. There's also, there's also a 15-day portal window in April, from April 15th to April 30th, after spring footballs are over. 
sort of the last chance for guys who've gone through spring ball, maybe know they're not going to fit in where they're at, and they can try to transfer somewhere then. But you typically see the most, most high-profile guys, the best players, if you will, do their work and do their transferring during this first 30-day window. So like I said, Purdue's got a lot on the line. They need to make some hay here, Jared. They've got 20 guys in the portal. If you look at my scholarship distribution chart that's on the website, I think I've got Purdue about 75 scholarships right now. you got 85 to work with. I think we'll see two or three of those open up as well. So Purdue's got probably 12 to 13 slots to fill. Scholarships available. And don't forget two junior college players. Purdue's been recruiting some junior college offensive linemen, so uh, if they don't get guys to the portal, like I said, I know they're kicking the tires on several J.C. offensive linemen, two of which I know have already taken visits to Purdue. Before we uh, let you go, Tom, here, um, you know, Jeff Brown did such a good job here of recruiting in the state of Indiana and taking those guys away that might, especially the Indy area guys, that might think about uh, going to Bloomington. Now uh, Tom Allen is gone, and there seems to be some hope to where some of these kids aren't even now, some of these fans aren't even flipping the reversible jackets back to Notre Dame just yet. Uh, but what do, what do you think about what they've done down there with that hire in Bloomington? And have you heard anything recruit-wise or anything like that, how people have been reacting uh, to Signetti and uh, his staff so far? I really haven't got a chance to. I guess I've been so buried with Purdue stuff with the portal and recruiting going on. But, yeah, Kirk Signetti, he's an older coach, Jerry. He's about 61, 62 years old. A well-respected guy, um, a dues payer, if I, if you will. Um, he's a guy come from a football family, you know. Mm-hmm. He, he, I know, I know, he worked on Nick Saban's staff in about 2006-2007. Then he, then he started becoming a head coach at smaller schools. He went to Indiana, PA. He went to Elon, and then he was most recently at James Madison. So this is a guy who's, who's cut his teeth at different levels, and uh, he knows how to make things work. Less, at less than ideal situations. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure what his staff looks like, how much is filled that out yet. But, you know, uh, I used to turn on the page here, and Signetti, like I said, is a real blue-collar coach. His brother, Frank, is a longtime assistant coach, most recently with the OC at Pitt. So uh, a sharp football mind, a savvy football vet. Does he have the energy to recruit like he need to recruit in Indiana? Can he put a staff together to compete at the Big Ten level? I guess we shall see how. Uh, sooner rather than later well he is a yinzer uh so i have that uh you know that little place in my heart for him and sincere coming over with him though but uh, at the same time (laughs) dave wonstadt was a yinzer too and uh you know that worked out really well nate barrett still chides me about that guy so uh tom deanhart goldenblack.com again he's got you covered on the portal big day starts on monday here signing day is coming up on the 20th make sure you get your subscription so you don't miss out on all this stuff Thomas got you covered, buddy. I wish we had a bunch more good news, but it just sounds like we're in for some sweating here between uh, now and uh, probably the uh, end of the year. So I appreciate all your hard work on this, buddy. Thank you so much. Take care, Jerry. Be good, buddy. Take care, bud. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back. Hey, got more Hammer Down show for you. Wait, next. On- um, it's, uh, it's not easy coming down the stretch for Purdue football right now. Getting attacked on a lot of fronts. And we'll find out what these guys are made of. Look, the one thing, you know, it, it, Tom, it didn't bring it up with Tom, but I'm sure he would agree, is as upsetting as some of those guys into the portal can be, you'd like to keep, you know, like you said, Burks and, and TJ and said that would be nice. I'm sure he would also say Kaltenberger because you want some depth on the offensive line. That would probably be another guy. There were a couple of guys that you 
flat out could not lose. We talked about this. Guys like Nick Carraway, and you didn't, those absolutely, Gus Hartwig, those guys you absolutely could not afford to lose, you didn't lose. Not saying that you can really afford to lose that many wide receivers and Burks, but I mean, if if you had to put protections on, this is the expansion draft, and you had to put protections on three, four guys, those guys are here. That's the good news. So you got that going for you. That's that's good. So not going to freak out. But let's just uh, let's let's get to Monday in the portal. I, I'm telling you, you're going to feel better as soon as you start seeing names come in. You'll turn the page. It sounds like you've lost your number two high school recruit, which is not ideal. Not ideal for year two. Well, let's see what happens in the portal, because you just don't know. Just don't know. All right, uh, we continue to ask the age-old question, who is the second-best team in the Big Ten? And I think after last night, we have that answer, and it was who I suspected it was going to be. And that is Illinois. It's a nine-point win. You were a two-point dog going into that one. It's a nine-point win over, what, the 11th-ranked team in the country? That's a great win for them. Florida Atlantic is what they were, the 11th-ranked team in Ken Palm, too. So that bumps Illinois up to 21st uh, in the net rank. They're 2-1 and one in those quad one games. They're one of the nation's top rebounding teams, if not the nation's top rebounding team. You know, they liked a lot of ISO last night. Terrence Shannon's great. I mean, Terrence Shannon, Boo Booey, one and two guard-wise in the Big Ten, I would think. And it should be, because they're both like 26 years old. Marcus Damask, man, where'd this guy come from? Rayfell was tweeting about him last night, that he was going to be even better in, uh, be even better in Big Ten play. I mean, how many did he have last night? Didn't he have like 30-plus last night? We can start to draw some tiers here, I think. Purdue still being that top tier. And Illinois does have a good road test. Uh, Was it Friday or Saturday against Tennessee? That'll be good because that's somebody that can match that physicality. Now, I will say this. When Florida Atlantic had to take that big seven-footer out, That's where Illinois really thrived. With him in, they struggled for a little bit. 
The home loss to Marquette, a little bit disappointing for the Illini. And outside of that, really, uh, not a huge... Not a huge resume, but the win over Florida Atlantic on the neutral court definitely should raise your eyebrows there. I think they're number two. I think you have to take a look at the next grouping as Ohio State, Northwestern, and Wisconsin. I mean, you look at what Ohio State has quietly moved to 7-1. and one. We all wondered, you know, that struggle against Oakland in the opener was going to be, in, you know, they did that, if that was indicative of who they were. We found out that Oakland's actually a pretty decent ball club. They gave a few other teams fits, too. And then they went and they lost Texas A&M, and he said, okay, yeah, maybe this isn't what's happening. Strung together a couple wins against bad teams. Then they went and beat Alabama by 11. Probably let Minnesota back in it a little bit too much late in that last game. They'll get Miami of Ohio, and then they'll take on Penn State. UCLA, New Orleans, West Virginia. At home against Rutgers at Indiana. They're going to be up there at number sitting around number two for a while. They don't take on a ranked opponent until Wisconsin, January the 10th. It's going to be another month of basketball before they take on a ranked opponent. They do not have a road game against a top 25 team as of right now until they play the Badgers again. February the 13th. While I like Illinois over the Buckeyes, I will say that you look at what Ohio State and their gauntlet is. They could be a significant problem for Purdue. Because Purdue only goes and plays them once, and that is in Value City. I mean, they get Rutgers twice. Rutgers does not look good. They get Nebraska twice. They're going to get Indiana twice. I just You look at that, Ohio State might be the one that scares me the most right now, just in terms of you look at the momentum they're going to be able to build. At Northwestern, I, look, I'll put them in that grouping, but they do have a clear flaw. They don't rebound. They don't score a lot. I mean, that will continue to be concerning for me for Northwestern in there. But still, they've got to win over Purdue. I think you've got to lump them in there in that second tier. You go Purdue, Illinois, and along with Ohio State, Wisconsin, Northwestern. And then after that, right now, it just does not matter. If I was up there because they can score. 
Nebraska got whooped by Creighton and haven't played anybody. You know, they're going to go into Minnesota tonight. I don't know how much I trust them against Minnesota on the road, to be honest. At least Minnesota fought back a bit against Ohio State. They both average about the same amount of points. Although Minnesota's defense has been a little more lackluster. But Nebraska's only shooting 43%. You love Tominaga, don't get me wrong. He's fun. But the wrong team may be favored there tonight. Maybe I can dive a little bit more into it, but the wrong team may be favored there tonight. You know, Maryland looks bad. Michigan State looks bad. Michigan looks bad. I think Indiana is going to continue to trend upward long term. I'm not having Xavier hurts, but they went and they beat a bad Michigan team on the road. That's good. We'll see if they can hang around with Kansas next week. They can do that. That'd be great. But again, that's a team. That's a team I just expect to get better as the season goes on. But for now, after last night, I think we can start to draw some lines here. Still Purdue at the top, but Illinois and Ohio State and Wisconsin are clearly right there. Perhaps I put in Northwestern. And then everything else is almost inconsequential at that point. The Big Ten is looking better. We wrote this thing off about a week ago. Two weeks ago. But now we're getting a little bit of separation here. I think you're getting a better feel for who these teams are. I think Iowa's going to be a little bit better than what their 5-3 right now might suggest. Minnesota, Maryland, Michigan State, Michigan are probably what you think they are. Although Michigan State does have a chance to kind of come roaring back. But I think the last couple weeks have shown you that Illinois is going to be a threat. Ohio State is piecing it together, and they look to be a tough team in Wisconsin. And their defense... They look to be on point here as well. We're going to take a break. Come right back. We'll wrap it up. Things we may have missed and more on the Hammer Down Show on 1017. The Hammer and 1017. Hammer Down Show, 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. Good luck tonight, Coach Katie Geralds and company. They are in action against Southeast Missouri uh, tonight over at Mackey. So, uh, yeah, make sure uh, you get on out there and support that squad. Time for some of the things we may have missed. Tom Izzo with another rant about he's getting too soft as a coach. Team stinks. This is kind of turned into a thing that he likes to do in December after a couple of bad losses. Is he done? This can't be enjoyable for him. In what Michigan State has put together, the last... What, like four or five years? How how have they done the last four or five years? 
I mean, just a tremendous run. That school's probably never going to ask him to leave. Nor should they. But they did make a regional semifinal last year. They seven seed the last two years, 11 seed the year before that. And they still seem to find their way through that tournament. That's the weird thing about Michigan State. No matter how often we write them off, they find ways at about the rant time to sort of turn this thing around. Now, he has not been great the last three seasons in the Big Ten. 11-8, 11-9, But he's still finding ways to finish with 20-plus wins in most of those seasons. And when's the last time Michigan State missed an NCAA tournament? The COVID year? And they were 22 and 9 in that, or no, 15 and 13 in that year. No, that was a 22 and 9 year, right? And we didn't have a tournament. But I guess, you know, for, and I see a lot of these people say, eh, maybe it's time for him to hang it up. But I tell you this, uh, why would you keep on having success? Doesn't matter how you get there, the fact that you got there. Again, I say you discount them at your own peril. And then a a fabulous question that uh, is putting the cart before the horse. Tyrese Halliburton asked, if you win the in-season tournament, should you raise a banner? It's a great question. How much prestige are we putting on this thing? How often do you have a chance to uh, raise banners? Is this really something the fans want? Is this something you're going to be mocked? Like the Colts are for your playoff participant trophy banner that you got up there? That's a serious question. If you were to win this, would you hang it? I think it's different if you're the Pacers as opposed to if you're the Lakers or the Bucks or anybody like that. When you haven't won a title in like the... Seemingly, the history of the NBA. Is it a little weak to hang that banner up? I'm generally curious. I don't know if there's a wrong answer for this. If the Pacers win it, go ahead and raise it. But you got to raise it like that first home game back from the thing. Don't wait until like the beginning of the season next year and raise it like an NBA championship. Can't do that. That's all I know. That's going to do it for the Hammer Down Show. We'll see you back here again tomorrow, 4 or 3 o'clock, talking local.